0: I wanna start our time together by asking you a pretty heavy question. Now, question is this. When disappointment hits, and it will, when disappointment hits your life, when your expectations do not pan out in the way that you had envisioned, when your hopes and your dreams come crashing down, what will you do let me ask you this what disappointment is impacting your life right now you don't have to answer that question out loud but i need you this morning to answer that question maybe for you your disappointment involves a relationship a relationship that did not progress, that has not progressed in the way that you had hoped. Maybe it's your health. Maybe your own health or the health of someone close to you, health is in jeopardy, and that is in no way what you envisioned for your life just a few years back. Maybe it's a family crisis. There's a crisis that is so draining, not what you signed on for. Maybe for you, your your discouragement is a work situation. You had career aspirations, and, and today your job is a million miles away from those aspirations. Or maybe your job is just harder than you ever imagined it would be, or maybe your work situation simply feels like it is a total dead end maybe it's something from your past a tough situation that has has so weighed on your life that when you look back on your story and what your life is now there's a cloud of disappointment there because you can't help but to wonder what your life might have been if that tough thing never occurred I could go on and on and on listing out possible scenarios like these, but what is it for you? Again, this morning, I need you to answer this question, what disappointment is impacting your life right now? Not a question that you have to answer for me out loud, but I need you to answer the question. What if we come at it this way? Can, can I see your hand if this is you? Right? Has that disappointment, that setback, that discouragement in your life rocked your world so much that it caused you to question God? If that's you, can I see your hand? And I want you to keep your hand up and I want, I want you to look around, right? Because so often we feel like we are the only ones in our disappointment and that is simply not true. I have lived my own life in that space. God, where are you? God, are you here with me or not? God, are you able to fix this? God, why are you not fixing this? God, do you even care? This morning, to figure out how to navigate our situations, our discouragements, our disappointments, well, we are going to look to God's word. We're going to go to Psalm 95, which will help us tremendously with our our very first question this morning. When disappointment hits your life, when your expectations do not pan out in the way that you had envisioned, when your hopes and dreams come crashing down, what will you do? This morning, I've invited Becca Umble to come, and she is going to pray over us, and she's going to read Psalm 95 for us. Becca.
1: All right, let's pray for the morning. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for all the people who are here in your house this morning, Um, and we pray for Brian as he's going to be bringing the word to us. We pray that they would be your words and that you would give us open hearts to hear your truth from Psalm 95 and that you would show us what we need to surrender in our lives to you. And Lord, we just pray that we would carry everything we learned today out into the world this week and that you would bring us all back together next week. Amen. All right, Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing sing psalms of praises to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land, too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen listen to his voice today. The Lord says... Don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Masa in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years I was angry with them, and I said, They are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest.
0: Thank you, Becca. So I want us to jump into Psalms 95, not in verse 1, but actually in verse 7. If only you would listen to his voice, God's voice today. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah. As they did it at Amasa in the wilderness, for there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything that I did. For 40 years I was angry with them, and I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. As I was reading Psalms 95 earlier in the week, I thought to myself, man, what in the world happened at Meribah? at massa that caused ancient Israel's hearts to harden. What caused their hearts to turn away from God? What caused them to refuse to do what God asked? And for us to be able to see that for for Psalm 95 to make sense for us, we've got to go to Exodus chapter 17. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I invite you to bring your Bibles, because even though the words are on the screen, man, we do a lot of work jumping around, and so having your Bible with you, tremendous help. Exodus 17, starting in verse 1, says this. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin, which is the wilderness in the area of Mount Sinai. And moved from place to place. Eventually they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock? with thirst. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Masa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing. Because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord here with us or not? So according to what we just read, what causes ancient Israel's hearts to harden? What causes the, their hearts to turn away from God? What causes these people to refuse to do what God asked? I think we see it in verse 3. Tormented by thirst, these people say, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us? In other words, ancient Israel is making it very clear that their situation is not going how they expected. Is not is not tracking in the way that they had envisioned. You can hear their disappointment in these words and they arrive at the conclusion we are going to die. And then that question that they ask in verse seven is absolutely key. Is the Lord here with us or not? Do you realize how powerful this question is? Because, in the face of your disappointment, whether you realize it or not, you are asking this same question. This question is a focus question. See, ancient Israel's issue here in exodus 17 and referenced in psalms 95 is really a focus issue these people are are allowing what they do not have to be their focus versus allowing who they do have to be their focus can you appreciate the difference in that statement In the face of their disappointment, their disappointment is so sharp. Remember, they are convinced that it is game over for them. In the face of their disappointment, they forget what God is like. They forget who he is. They forget everything that he has done. They forget how he first comes to them when their situation in slavery is beyond hope. They forget how he rescues them. They forget how God bends the laws of nature to secure their freedom. They forget how he opens the sea. They forget how he provides for them. They forget that he is good. And so Psalms 95 calls out as the thing that ancient Israel missed. It's what they're failing to see. It's in verse 9 of Psalms 95. Your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything that I did. And because they have forgotten, because they are unable to see what God is like, because they have lost sight of God's goodness, these people arrive to the conclusion that God cannot be trusted. See, this question, is the Lord here with us or not? Ultimately, this is a trust question. Can God be trusted? Even though Psalms 95 even though the events of Exodus 17 play out millennia ago, man, this is exactly the same space that we live in today. That that pull to forget God's goodness, that pull to not trust him, that pull is exactly the same for us, for you and I today when we face the crushing disappointments in our lives. Remember my question to you? When disappointment hits your life when your expectations do not pan out in the way that you had envisioned when your hopes and dreams come crashing down what will you do if I put an edge on that question if I refine that question I'd ask it this way when disappointment hits your life what will you focus on your situation your hopelessness, your lost dreams, your confusion, your hurt, what might have been. And these are very real things, but will you allow these to become your primary focus and to cloud out the bigger picture? Or will you allow God to be your focus? In other words, where will you place your trust? See, if we take this focus question, if we take this trust question and we jump back into Psalms 95, verses one through seven, now those verses make a lot of sense when you see that ancient Israel had lost its focus on God, had lost trust in God, Now, verses 1 through 7 make a lot of sense in our losing focus on God, our losing trust in God in the face of our disappointments. In the face of our, is the Lord here with us or not, moments. So, as we jump back to Psalms 95, verse 1, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. Come let us sing. Come let us shout. Come let us worship. Why? Verse three, for the Lord is a great God. A great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him for he made it his hands formed the dry land too. From the highest point to the lowest point and every point in between, our God is the creator king who controls all things and who has power beyond your wildest imagination. He is the God of absolute power, kind of helpful to keep in focus in the face of your disappointments. Verse 6, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Again, come let us worship. Why? Verse 7, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. God loves you. God is absolutely crazy for you. God watches over you. God cares for you kind of helpful to keep in focus in the face of your disappointments. see the thing that is happening here in Psalms 95 is that the writer of Psalms 95 is working overtime to show you that worship so much beyond the four or five songs that we sing together on Sunday morning but in all of life, worship is this 24 7 focusing on who God is and what God has done. That worship actually helps to make your life disappointment resistant. That you can bring your questions. That you can bring your God, why is this happening to me? That you can bring your fears and your doubts to God to allow your heart to recalibrate on God's power, to allow your heart to recalibrate on God's love for you. But how do we actually live this out? How do we actually do this? I ask it this way. In the face of the very real disappointments that you have faced and are facing, how are you able to continue to see God's goodness? I actually posed this question this week to Corby and Jen Burkholder, who have been recently, they've been navigating a super tough situation. And I've invited Jen to come and share what Corby and Jen together have been learning through their journey.
2: I don't know about you, but I can definitely identify with the Israelites in their forgetfulness. Um, and God knows that we forget. And I was recently reading in Joshua where, um, once again, he, God took the Israelites through um, water on dry land. And, but this time he instructed them to pick up stones in the middle of the Jordan Riverbed and place them as a memorial on the other side. So that when their descendants asked, what is this pile of rocks doing here? They could tell them. And they could say, this is what God did. He is good. He has power to save. And they were able to share the lessons that they learned along the way. My name is Jen. I'm married to Corby. He's our uh, youth pastor here. We have two biological kids. Cameron, our daughter, is 15. And our son, Logan, is 14. And in October 2015... God um, placed a very specific calling on our lives to adopt um, a teenage boy from across the world and join um, him into our family. Um, We're going on almost two years, getting close to it, and he is still not home with us. We've had setbacks. We've had doubts. We've had grief. We've had fear. And I've forgotten a lot and often, and I've had confusion as to what God's call really was. Did he really say that? (laughs) Did we hear him right? Um, did we misunderstand um, exactly what he was asking? Um, we've had Jack in our home um, and he has spent time with us. Uh, we've grown to love him and, and deeply care about him. Um, but I would be lying if I said it hasn't been difficult. Um, I've had to constantly go back to, I've written things down of, you know, the story of how we came to this conclusion that God was specifically calling us um, to have Jack join our family, and that has helped me um, over and over again, just going back to that and remembering because, like I said, I forget. Um, This past March, after um, feeling that God was really silent for a very long time, um, not in teaching me, but specifically about the adoption, I, I finally in the middle of, I guess, the end of March, finally heard God speak and break the silence. And one of the things he said to me was, now just sit back and watch me work. So I was like, okay, this is good. I'm excited. Uh, Go ahead. (laughs) And uh, so when we boarded our plane on June 19 for the first of three trips that we'll take to bring um, Jack home, uh, I was really excited to see what God was going to do. But the moment we were in the taxi driving away from the airport, Uh, we found out that we had our first snafu and we ran into several. And it was something that, you know, it was going to take 12 days and that was long enough to be away from our kids and from Corby's job and just the busyness of life here. And it got extended for an extra seven days, um, something that we didn't think we were going to be able to handle and it kind of rocked us pretty hard. Um, It's hard being away from your kids at home. They're missing you. We knew like I said, Corby's job was waiting for him. Um, it's a longer wait for Jack as far as bringing him home. And we know our schedule coming up in the fall is crazy with the start of school and um, the startup of ministry. And it was just not an easy thing to let go of. This time I didn't forget what God had said, I just completely questioned it. I was like, what in the world are you doing? I thought for sure I heard you right. And this is not going the way I thought. But God was up to something far greater than I could have ever anticipated. Um, Corby and I sat there and said, like, okay, he's up to something. We just have no idea what he's doing. And all of a sudden we met a bunch of people um, that were also going through difficult times. And on the other side of the world with strangers, we all of a sudden were going out to eat with a party of 11. Um, people who we had not known previously and had just met, and we were able to um, encourage each other. There were believers and non-believers, and we prayed together, and we encouraged each other and comforted each other. And we knew that God was up to something far greater than we had ever anticipated in those relationships um, that are continuing on through the glory of Facebook. Um, What are we learning? We're learning that God is working it all out, um, that we need to trust him. We are learning that his presence is so real in the hard times, and as we know and experience that presence, we know that God is present with each of the three of our kids as they struggle through difficulties as well, and we're learning to surrender and let go of what we think um, things should look like. In order to do this, I have placed reminders intentionally around. I wear specific jewelry that has meaning. I Have the word joy above my fireplace because that is my word I'm focusing on this year and growing in. Um, I have a post-it note in my car. It says, be still and know I am God. That's just the tip of the iceberg. But I must have physical, tangible reminders just like the pile of stones um, that the Israelites had um, to remind myself and bring myself back to the fact that God is faithful and he is good. And he has been that in ancient Israel, for ancient Israel in my recent past. And I am so excited and I can praise God because I know that that same God is in my future and he's got it all under control.
0: Thank you, Jen. So that's how Corby and Jen are focusing on trusting in God. In their situation but how about you see the thing that you have to realize is that you have a choice in front of you Psalms 95 is all about the question when disappointment hits your life what will you focus on your situation your hopelessness your lost dreams your confusion your hurt what might have been or will you allow God to be your focus where will you place your trust will you choose will you find ways to focus on the God of Psalm 95 will you choose to trust in the God of Psalm 95 this God who who has power beyond your wildest imagination This God who loves you, this God who is watching over you, this God who cares for you, and this brings us to the gospel. That the greatest display of God's love and God's power plays out in Christ's sacrifice for you and for I. Because of God's holiness, God's justice is poured out on Jesus. Jesus as your substitute, Jesus as as your representative on that cross, Christ dying a criminal's death that was yours for your sin, for your rebellion. Is there a greater demonstration anywhere else of unconditional love, of watching out for you, of caring for you, They're simply not. Is there a greater demonstration anywhere else of God's power than in the resurrection? That Jesus conquers the grave, defeats Satan, triumphs over sin as the victorious king that he is. They're simply not. So in the face of your disappointment, will you choose to focus on, to trust, to recalibrate on who God declares himself to be in Psalm 95 and how he has loved you through Jesus? Only you can make that call, so what will you do? If only you would listen to his voice today. Let's pray. Father, the words of that song that we sang a few moments ago, you're never going to let me down. May that truth continue to bounce around in our heads as we leave this space this week and beyond. That you promise that, that as followers of you, that you are after our good. That we can see that no matter how our situations land, no matter how those situations end, that the greatest good is you yourself. Knowing you in the person of Jesus. And if you are our greatest good, then what makes something good is whether or not that situation brings us more of you. And so I pray for Corby and I pray for Jen and their situation. I pray for the myriad of situations that are represented in this room. The disappointments that we all face that through those situations that we will choose to focus on, choose to trust, choose to recalibrate on the fact that you are the God of of mind-blowing power, that you are the God who desperately loves us, who watches over us, who cares for us. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.